Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Friday, January 29th edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be joined today by Dave Sherapan. You know him as at Sportsbook Consigliere on Twitter. A brilliant man to follow, a brilliant man to listen to on all of his podcast appearances, including his own for gaming today. We'll chat with him about the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 55 here, the Chiefs and the Buccaneers. We'll talk about side and total. We'll talk about some prop stuff, but also about the experiences that he's had on the other side of the counter booking the Super Bowl in risk rooms throughout most of his professional career. Should be a lot of fun talking with Dave on today's show. It's always a lot of fun over at ATS.io. Lots of content for the Super Bowl coming your way over the next, was it, nine days away from the game here. So we got nine days worth of covering prop bets, all kinds of betting angles, lots of great stuff for the Super Bowl. But we have not forgotten about the NHL, college basketball, and the NBA. I'm working on my 2021 MLB betting guide. That'll come out here in probably about four weeks' time or so. That's kind of the time frame that I'm shooting for. Taking a look at all 30 teams from a season win total standpoint, not to mention all of the division futures, pennant futures, World Series, Cy Young, MVP, all that kind of good stuff. So looking forward to producing that MLB betting guide Previously under Bang the Book, now for the first time under ATS.io. Make sure you download the ATS app, which you can find in the Google Play Store or in the Apple Store. Full article integration from the website, a bet tracker, an odd screen, lots of helpful handicapping resources and betting tools for you to check out in that ATS app. So make sure you download that today. With that, we bring on today's guest. That is Mr. Dave Sherapan at Sportsbook Consig on Twitter. Dave, how's it going today, man? Adam, what's up, man? I am sitting here in Las Vegas with my Pittsburgh Pirate hat on. Um, Because football season is only one game left, and there's uh, a long, cold February in between when pitchers and catchers report. So... I can't wait for baseball season, and I actually, hearing that lead-in, I can't wait to even just mention what the Pirates' season wins number is going to be. So I don't want to – I mean, I don't want to put you on a spot, but maybe by the end of the show we can come up with that. But we got a lot to talk about in between. I can't oh, wait. Oh, man. Pirates' season win total. It, well, <laughs> it's, it's going to be higher than the, their millions of dollars in payroll. At least there's yeah. that. <laughs> I mean, both, Not both of our teams. Both yeah. of our teams, just the race mm. to the bottom in payroll. It's it's a uh. really fun time to be a baseball fan in a small market. <laughs> it is. But, again, you're probably um, looking at it a lot different than, you know, the regular fan or someone that may be looking to, to bet against them every game. I mean, they're still going to win. You would hope 50 games. I mean, 50 and 112, is that, that's really bad. I mean, that's really can it be that number? I mean, but while we're recording this podcast, the Pirates may have made another trade just to get rid of someone else. Like, I don't know who's – it's literally the the actual major league movie coming true in both of our cities. Who are these guys? I don't yeah. know. No, absolutely. It's going to be a, a tough year for, for Pirates fans, probably a tough year for Indians fans, kind of the way that I'm sort of looking at some of the projections. Maybe they'll be better than anticipated, but uh, – yeah, you know, it's kind of nice to sit here and, and forecast the baseball season while there's snow floating around outside. At least yeah. it, it makes me realize that warmer weather is coming. <laughs> Speaking of snow, you even had some this week. Man, so I'm in the northwest part of the city, and 
we woke up and the kids went, went outside and like, you got to come see this. You got to come see this. And I'm like, I went outside and I thought I was in Pittsburgh. There were two inches of snow right on the street in front of me, right on the cars parked on the street. Like what is going on right now? And the best part about it was two things. My, my little one who turned seven yesterday, Kendall, uh, went outside having, this was probably the third or fourth time in her life ever seeing snow. And, you know, her sisters are 17 and 15. Everybody's excited. So we're not really prepared for it. We don't have the gloves. We don't have the hats. We, you know, we just put on a little heavier jacket and she's still wearing like tennis shoes and out in the snow for two minutes. She goes, all right, I'm done. I'm going back in. So it wasn't as big a deal to her. And I'm like, yeah, that's my kid. Cause I don't really like the snow that much either, but the kid across the street is from San Francisco. And he came outside and said, Hey, I don't know how to drive in this. I've never done this before. And there was two inches of snow. So, you know, us, I mean, like this, that's a dusting. That's nothing. I'm like, Hey, just drive down the street real slow. Uh, don't slam on the brakes. And when you turn, just kind of turn uh, with caution. And I, we were laughing because he started his car and he moved a little bit and then he hit the brakes and then he moved a little bit and hit the brakes. And I was telling my kids, this is what happens when you don't know how to drive in the snow. Cause I've been trying to tell them as they're learning to drive and get their license, you need to know what to do. You don't have to do it all the time, but if you're somewhere and it snows, you know, you, you can come call me and I'll come get you, but like, you have to learn how to drive in this. So it was fun, man. It was, it's good. But like, I remember too, like, uh, I don't know, the sun's coming up here now. I think the current temperature is 36 or 37. So it gets cold in the desert in January and February, you know, so we'll, uh, we'll see. I'm supposed to go to a softball tournament this weekend up in Kingman and between you and I, if it gets postponed because of weather, I'm okay with that because if it doesn't, it's going to be really cold. 21 degrees here. So uh, Ooh, at, least, okay. at least you're okay. doing a little bit better than, than we're doing in these parts, but yeah, you know, and, and it's it's funny too. I mean, I, I would just kind of say in general, rain, snow, doesn't really matter. Nobody in Vegas knows how to drive based on the experiences oh, yeah. I've had out there. I'm I'm sure you could speak to a lot of those if we had, you know, seven or eight hours to do today's show. <laughs> yeah. Uh the uh nobody can drive in Vegas, that's a big price. That's a big number. That's a big favorite because I mean, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I sit in the passenger seat while the kids are driving and I'm constantly explaining, you're not driving just for you. You're driving for everyone else on this road. And like, no one's looking at you. So you got to be careful cutting over all merging. It's, it's a unique thing. I think back East, we learn how to drive with people in mind and consideration and, 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 you know, whatever here, this is West coast. This is a lot of California influence where they're driving. Like they're the only car on the road, despite there being six lanes on a freeway and people zipping in and out. And you're just like, yeah, okay. This is my road. Yeah. It's a, it's a way different mentality. No, absolutely. And, uh, all right. Now that we got your blood pressure going a little bit, let's yeah. go ahead and talk about Super Bowl 55 here between the chiefs and the Buccaneers. And, uh, you know, I, I sound like a broken record on the show here over the last few days because this line just, it's, it ain't moving. You know, it's kind of a set it and forget it type of thing. Three with extra juice on the Kansas City side, 56, the predominant total. You'll find a 56 and a half out there if you want to take it at this point in time, but I don't know really why you would. So 
your initial thoughts here, I guess it's not really initial thoughts anymore. This line's been up for five days, but your thoughts on three with extra juice and 56 for this game, Dave. The story isn't the line that it is now. The story is going to be who gets off the three because with the volume of the game, um, with the, the lack of, I mean, for better term, we've seen this matchup before and it was in week 12 and this was the line, like it was three and a half and 56 is what it closed. And so I don't know what's going to cause it to move, but I know that the book that moves off of the three is either going to get, you know, the bag, B-A-G, uh, of money from someone. Uh, and it's going to be, you know, different books, different amounts, but it's a big bag and it's a big amount to get off of the three. Or it's from someone who they just think knows. And um, I don't think you're going to see this thing move until this might move Friday or Saturday. But I don't think it's going to move off the three until then. And I will be very interested to see if it, when it moves, if it moves, how many others move with them, you know, because like like South Point has that three, no juice thing in Vegas. Everyone else has juice on three late 20. There's a three late 15 somewhere, but everyone has three late 20 except the South Point. So if they get off the three, they've taken the bet. They, that, that, that was the side that, you know, they, whoever deemed um, between, you know, Chris and Jimmy and, and stuff over there, they're going to go, all right, we, we got to take a bet on the other side because this is probably the right side. So, yeah, I, I think that's the story. You know, if, if we move off the three, the total open high, because it had to, um, who's looking to bet this game, you know, under, so you got to take the under bets to get the number down week two of this. And, you know, I, I just saw a story yesterday um, in Vegas, at least you're going to be allowed to have 25% capacity, 25% capacity. So this is going to be a Super Bowl uh, weekend that look that has never been in Vegas. It's only gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And I talked about the impact of, you know, books and states having these types of parties in other states where they were a lot closer. They didn't have to spend that much money to travel. They didn't have, I mean, they don't get the Vegas experience, but if you're looking for a Super Bowl weekend, you can go to Jersey and have the same or better experience. Um, so, you know, you don't have to come out here. Now you can only have 25% capacity. I don't know how much money is coming to move it. So the totals 56 now, like you said, I don't think it goes much below that. And if it closes back up to 57, I would be surprised. Um, I think, 56 is probably the number we sit at. It's boring. Uh, let's hope it, the game's not boring. I, I just we, – we need a good game. Like, we, we don't need another dud 13-3 to three game like we got with the Patriots and the Rams a couple of years ago where, you know, it, we went in with a total pretty high. And the only people that were happy with that 13-3 to three game were all the books – and all the guys that I was hanging out with last night at the Superbook, everyone that bets the under and all the props. That's it. It was like it was like a you know when a seven out hits a craps table, and the only people who are happier are on the don't pass line. We can't have that in the Super Bowl. Like not with this matchup. Chiefs, Bucks, uh, Mahomes, Brady. Please, let's get both teams in the twenties 
it, you know, by halftime. Let's, let's have 21-17 at halftime, and let's go, you know. And, you know, in-game will be fantastic. People will be loving it with the props. That, that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, I don't know if it's going to happen, but that's what I'm hoping for. You know, and, and I don't want to diminish what the bookmakers, the risk room guys, the originators do, because I, I know it's not an easy job. And, and of course, I have one on the air right now. So I certainly don't want to, um, you know, talk bad about anything that you guys do on that side of the counter. But like you talked about, this is not that hard of a number to set. I mean, this game was just played a few weeks ago. In fact, because Tampa Bay got into the back door, it fell very close to the number anyway. Total did fall a little bit short, but the yardage was clearly there in that game to fly over the total. So this was a pretty easy one to set. And, and as you mentioned, you know, you start 57, I think there was a 57 and a half, maybe on the open at Westgate and you start three and a half and you find out, okay, does three and a half give me Tampa Bay money? Yes, it does. Does 57 give me under money? Yes, it does. And you know, you've talked about that before. I've heard you mention that both on your Twitter feed and also on other shows that you, know, you, you sort of want to find what that high end is to get under money and dog money. And, and we found that out within minutes after you know, this line was set. Setting the line for the Super Bowl during Championship Sunday is one of the coolest, most fun things that I've done in the business because it's not like setting the Sunday night you know, lines or, or the next week's line Sunday night um, before next week's football, because there's 16 games and, you know, you got to keep the limits low and you got to watch for, you know, this sharp guy who's looking to beat you on a half a point. This is a Super Bowl. You got one game left. So you start talking about the line. The first game is over and you go, all right, so Tampa won. So if you have Tampa against KC, what is your number? If you have Tampa against Buffalo, what is your number? And, you know, the guys that go to lunch, the guys that aren't watching the in game, you know, they go get their stuff and everybody comes back and you start watching the second game going, all right, I got three and 57 with Kansas city and I got, you know, pick them and uh, 54 and a half with Buffalo. Oh, okay. You know, what do you got? Blah, 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 blah. So, you know, the number, before the game is even at halftime and you go, okay, well, it was pretty apparent that Kansas city was going to win the game at halftime. I, I thought so. So I, I was trading texts with the boys at, you know, different places. And they're like, you know, Sheriff, what do you make it? And, and I, I literally, my, my one line answer was it's the same as it was in week 12. <laughs> it's the same. Three and a half 57. It took two seconds. And okay, that's, that's what it is. Like there was no thought, there was no, who's going to play what we already knew. And, you know, I talked to some of the boys in the books. I'm like, how was it? Because the fun is after you put up that first number, like a couple of years ago, you know, Rams Patriots, there was a real debate in the room. Who, do, who are they going to bet? And who do you make favorite? And you have, you know, this pile that you're going to win if the Patriots win for the futures. And you have this pile who on the Rams, if they're going to win and both piles are really big. Like you got, you got, you got a way head start because of the futures in Vegas. Like that's a, that's an under thing that nobody really talks about. That's under the radar. Like the books in Vegas forever had such a head start. If you manage your future pool 
in Vegas with people coming from all over the country, you you start with like a seven figure head start on pretty much every team. No matter who wins, you win a million dollars or or more. So um, you can kind of play with the line. So if you think it should be two and a half one way, you can put pick and take some bets because you know your position is bigger on that other side. So let's get some money here and work it up. So yeah. The, the fun of opening the Super Bowl line is the early action because now the limits, I mean, you know, at CG, we, we, we took 50 dimes, a whack, um, on the opening number and didn't move it sometimes. Like, hey, take a second one. Eh, take a third one because, you know, the money's coming. You know, if you don't do, you know, um, uh, I don't know, just throw out a number, $15, 20000000 million on the Super Bowl, like you're not doing it right. Like it, the market was there. Um, and it still is so easy. So you just take, you know, 50 dimes is what the limit is. Well, that's, the, that's the limit on the games. Um, you know, during the season at, at a lot of places, that's a healthy limit. Like, you know, maybe, maybe some places take a hundred where you're taking 50 on the first number easy and not moving it. So this was kind of boring. Like all, all the guys I talked to said, man, I know it's a pandemic, but Man, like even the regulars, like nobody played it. It's, it's, the, the, I don't know. So, yeah, if you're looking to, for the line to move or you're looking at, you know, there's no sharp side. There's no, there's no square side. There's no advantage. It's a Super Bowl, man. This is the hardest game to, to, to bet side and total. This is the best line of the football season most of the time. So, um, you know, find it in the prop market. Find that you want advantages and stuff like that, and all of a it's it's in the prop market. It's not in the game side or total. I want to circle back to something that you mentioned regarding futures liability and and potential exposure with that. You know, Kansas City. I mean, very short price on them. You know, they were the favorite coming out of winning last year's Super Bowl. They've been you know one of the favorites pretty much throughout the season. But Tampa Bay took a lot of futures money when they you know got Tom Brady and you know, as things kind of started to set up for them a little bit, how much does, you know, that potential liability come into play when you are, you know, not necessarily setting this number, but when you're balancing this number throughout the two weeks of, of wagering on the game? If you're paying any attention, it, it should be a factor. It should have been a factor three weeks ago when the playoffs started. And you should have been getting bets, you know, um, along the way knowing what could happen if you got to this point. If the if the Bucks put together three in a row and they were ten they closed ten point favorites against Washington. So you basically knew they were going to win that game. And they almost didn't, but yes, that was it was a good game. But um you, you had to think, oh man, I got two games to get some serious money back on, on these other teams if I have a liability. So you know this is what I I would do uh, and I've done. I'd have said, man, let's have the best price in the world on the Packers. I mean, because what it's five to one everywhere. We'll make it seven to one and let somebody bet it to win a hundred thousand. Let's let somebody come in here and whack them. Like, let's go. And um, who did they play the week before they played Washington? And then they played uh, the Saints. Oh, the best price on planet earth. I would have had on the Saints. No question, because you only have a week or two left. So let's get some more money on the Saints. If I don't want, if I have a red number 
going into the playoffs on um, Tampa Bay. You're going to have the best money line in the world on the Saints in the game. You're going to have the best future price on the Saints that week. And you put out a bat signal. And now you can talk about all this stuff on social media. You could, you know, before we used to have to just like put it out on Don Best and, you know, tell everybody that came to the counter and like, you know, try to advertise it somehow any way you can. Now it's easy. Like you just put it out on social media and, and say, hey, did you see the prices of the Saints, uh, this book, XYZ? They're, they're 10 to 1. Everywhere else is 7 or 8. You, you should go bet the Saints. So now you can do it. It's easier than ever. But, you know, the books don't always see it that way. And why would a guy want to come in and bet 100000 and win 800000 on the Saints at 8-1 to one when, you know, the, why is he doing that now? Well, because it's the best price. And maybe he's hedging. So what? Let's get the money in the pool. Let's get more money in the pot and get that number off Tampa down. I mean, because, again, if you're, if you're managing the, the futures right all year, you may have one team where you just didn't believe they were good. Years ago, when the Bears went to the Super Bowl, <laughs> we, we took a bet on the Bears in week two. Um, the supervisor was out front. This was down to Golden Nugget. I, I just remembered this story. I can't believe it. Um, she sent approval upstairs to the office, and uh, my guy there <laughs> just approved the bet because she called and said, hey, somebody wants to bet the Bears, you know, for 5000 And he's like, okay. And he approved the bet. Didn't look at it. Well, it wasn't to win that week on the money line. It was to win the Super Bowl. And the price, I believe, was either 80 to 1 or 100 to 1. Oh, man. <laughs> and he didn't realize it until the next day when he was going through the futures. And he's like, how in the hell did this happen? And he's like, oh, my God. And he went to her and said, was that bet on the Bears this week that you, you called up about? And she's like, no, it was to win the Super Bowl. It was like, oh, my God, no. So he wasn't the director. He was, you know, the, the guy underneath. And, and for every week that the Bears won a game, we were like, oh, no, this is going to be bad. This is going to be bad. Like, if they win the Super Bowl, we're all fired, you know, blah, 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 blah. Well, it was week two. Do you know? That we, that's how I really watched it and learned it, uh, how to manage the futures. It didn't take long. We didn't have Twitter. We didn't have, we didn't have anything. This was early 2000s. This was, or, or mid to like 2005, 2004, five. I forget what year it was. We can look it up, but um, it was 2005 or 2006. Anyhow, we took bets on every team in the NFC. To, to just lower that number, lower that number, you know, I mean, because you, you take bets on the Bears enough. You don't need to take that bet. Uh, <laughs> so it was it was crazy. And it was a sweat. And, you know, we took the Bears, their first playoff game. It was like, listen, open the limits on the other side. Like, let's take the bets because if they lose, uh, you know, this game, you know, we'll cancel out the futures and okay. So they'll win this week on whomever say they're playing the saints. Okay. 
but we had the best money line on their opponent. So people would come in and bet it. We, a lot of times if we took a bet, we wouldn't move it. So yeah, it, it, it comes into play. It should come into play more and more. Uh, I think a lot of books get lazy. I think a lot of books don't care. I think a lot of books don't know. I mean, the guys in, in Malta or in Sweden managing the risk for a lot of the books back East. I, Adam, I saw a thing uh, that Fandle is negative. They were negative to all four teams. They had red numbers to all four teams going into championship weekend. And I, I, I sent some boys that text. I said, is this possible? Or are they just, I mean, this can't, this has to be a fake tweet. You can't be to the chiefs and the bills. You're net. You, you have a losing number. Like you losing money to, to either Like if you didn't know that those were the top two teams in the AFC or could be, you just don't know football. And they, they were bragging. They put it out on their Twitter feed that they had a red number to all four teams left in the playoffs. Um, Kansas City, Buffalo, Green Bay, and Tampa. That's impossible. So uh, you can use the future markets to your advantage as a book as well as you can as a better. And if you're not, you probably should because I know a lot of very, very sharp guys that had positions. I mean, I know one personally that I had on my podcast, Tom Lipper, um, diehard Buffalo Bills mafia guy, loves them. And, you know, he had a ticket on them at 25 or 30 to one. Guess what? He ended up with a ticket on all four teams, all four of them to make money. He has a position on every, uh, every one of them. And, you know, it's a, it's a nice position. He, he doesn't have to do anything in Super Bowl. He's, he's already won money. So I know what he's going to do. He's going to destroy props is what he's going to do. He's, I can't wait to text him this weekend and go, all right, what do you got? Because I would be sitting in a book and saying, all right, Lip, come to the counter. You get two dimes a whack. I don't care how many you bet. Just bet them one at a time so I can move it immediately, and then we'll circle back again, and you can have them every one of them again if you'd like, if you brought enough uh, cash, and let's go. And, you know, he would tell me what he thought by betting, and I would tell him what I thought by moving it. And that was the relationship, man. And that's gone. That's all gone. So that FanDuel thing is, is fascinating. And so is your, your story about the Bears. Was, was that 05 or 06? Was it the year they made the Super Bowl? Yes, it was the year they made they, the Super Bowl. They, so that, they played the Colts. Yeah, okay. So it was the 2006 season, uh, Super Bowl 40, okay. 41, I believe it was. Okay. Here's my question for you, Dave. And we've talked about this, at least from our side of the counter on the show, from the betting side of the counter, with the fact that, you know, last year's Super Bowl, we had what? I think 10 or 11 states, maybe, with legalized sports betting. This year, it's almost half the country. And, and, mm-hmm. and as you just mentioned, you know, some of these new operators, you know, FanDuel, whether it's true or not, they've got some, they had some exposure on all four teams in the futures market, very significant exposure at that. We've seen that, you know, football hold percentages in states like New Jersey have been much lower than you would expect. Uh, you know, I don't know if that's because of all the freebies they give out for signups or, or you know, if they're just, you know, not really booking the games effectively and efficiently for you looking at this as somebody who's been in that risk room, looking at this as, you know, some operators that have to balance 12, 13 different States, you balance the entire world when you were working in Curacao 
you know, taking bets uh, in the offshore marketplace. This sort of, what do you think, how, how do you think this kind of sets up here for this Super Bowl from the standpoint of, you know, we're, we're still missing three of the big states, California, Texas, and Florida, but almost half the country now has access to betting. So what, what does that mean for you in terms of the Super Bowl, just the overall picture of whether it's from a handle standpoint, from how, you know, these other operators do, just sort of a, a general overview in your mind? Uh, it's, it's presented an interesting, not debate, but like, uh, it's a topic of discussion now where I saw it, I, I think it was last year or, or the year it was last year, right? When the, the Niners played the chiefs mm-hmm. back East lost Vegas destroyed it. And the line was similar to this. Like it wasn't, it was closed one and a half, two, um, did you, did you use the money line effectively? Like there's so many little nuances that guys that have been doing this for a long time. know. like if we need a bet on the dog in, in this game, you don't need to go to three and a half. You know what you need to do? Give me the money line. Give me the best price on the money line. So, you know, if it's minus, uh, you know, 150 or 160 and the take back is 140. Well, you know what? Make it a 10 cent line and give them 150. See what they do with it. And you can get the bet back. Well, I don't know if they're doing that, um, you know, where they're managing the risk from. So you see, you see uh, just, a, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not calling it a lack of skill. It's just a lack of innovation. Like, you know, the line, the, the money line on the Super Bowl should be a 10 cent line. <laughs> it's a Super Bowl. Like, how do you have minus 170 plus 150, which everyone has, or minus 165 plus 145? Tighten it up. Go to, so if it's me and I need to bet on the Buccaneers, I'm at 165. I'm going to 155. Maybe 150, and I am telling the boss, hey, there's already 150s out there. No, They're not going to bet it if, if you don't get the best price. Like, if you want the bet. The regular person's going to bet it no matter what. They're not price sensitive. So... I, I think it creates an interesting discussion where there may be market bias. I mean, there's no, you know, in Kansas City or Tampa Bay, there's no sports books. But, like, if there's going to be a Super Bowl in a state with books legal, it's going to be a different market than it would be, you know, in other states. West Coast, East Coast. We saw it last year. Like out west, we had a lot of Niner money. Maybe they didn't get it back there. Maybe, you know, why? if you're going to go bet the game and you live in San Francisco or somewhere in California, you just needed to go to Reno or here. So, like, Nevada saw a ton of, of Niner money, whereas maybe they didn't see that back east, and that's why they lost on the game. But it's, I mean, unless you get sided or like you really just screw up or, or you take a position, like you can take a position on the game and lose on the Super Bowl, but with a year to take future bets, I, I I'm just not buying it. Like I, I would love to be able to, to have someone from FanDuel just explain to me how that's possible because I could look at their handle and I could look at their ticket count and I could tell you whether it was just coincidence or whether it was just a lack of understanding of how to book it, because dude, listen, the, the baseball market, you can get bets on the pirates. You can get bets on the Indians. 
All you got to do is move the number. <laughs> you can you can get bets on everybody, especially here. So don't tell me you can't get bets because people aren't betting, you know, futures in in New Jersey. Don't tell me you're you're not getting. I mean, yeah, you're going to get more bets on the Bears in Indiana than most likely any other team except the Colts. So yeah, you're going to need against the home teams. But come on, nobody's betting the 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 Saints there. Nobody's betting the Tennessee Titans there. You can get bets on all that stuff. So it's inexcusable to me to to be a negative number to four teams. You can be negative on one. A couple of years ago, the Eagles really got everybody by surprise. And nobody believed. While these sharp guys that I know were going around buying 50 to one tickets and buying 40 to one tickets. And they, they started off one and one. And then I think they won eight in a row. And the books were really slow to adjust. So every once in a while, there's a team like that where, you know, you don't move it fast enough and, and people start to bet it. People start to bet it. And by the time you get to the playoffs, you're at a number. You're not at a, 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 a you know, decimation number, but you're at a number that's going to be like, damn it, we're going to lose money or, you know, not a big amount, but we're going to lose money if the Eagles win the Super Bowl here. Damn it. Like, you know, so, and, and now maybe you only have a week or two, you know, to get bets and, and you don't get it. And, okay. You can have one team like that. You can't have four, especially the favorites. When the favorites win in the big markets like this, you know, be, between football, um, you know, when the Yankees or Dodgers win, it's the, the, the books are great with that because the prices are low to begin with. So you're going to make a lot of money. So it, the perception that, oh, well, the favorites won, so the books lost. No, the favorites winning in, in, in these things, the books win. If the dog wins, Maybe you win more, but if the dog wins and you don't move the number early enough, you could lose. You can't lose when Kansas City wins the Super Bowl. If you've been, the number's been five to one, maybe seven to one is the highest it's ever been. And you've had a year to book stuff. I don't care what it is. I'll give you 30 things and tell you that the seven to one wins, and me and you will have a nice vacation at the end of it. Doesn't matter what the market is. So I want to talk about the prop stuff, and, and you mentioned that's a great way to attack the game, and, and I certainly agree with you on that front. I know you were out at the Westgate last night. The team over there uh, put a lot of man hours into putting together their extensive prop catalog. So I want to talk about the booking side of, of the prop bets here first, where you know you did work in the offshore industry. You also worked out there in Las Vegas for a long time. Tell us about that process of, you know, either originating some of these prop bets or just, you know, balancing your risk, balancing your action on just an extensive number of things kind of all at the same time. This thing is, um, it's one of the hardest things that the guys do every year. And it wasn't like this when I was offshore. We didn't have to do all this stuff. So I always, you know, I was with a guy down there who was like, man, it's one game. I don't even want to deal with this. Can we swear on this, Adam? No, oh, yeah. Or, uh, he was just like, listen, I don't want to deal with this fucking shit. <laughs> he, he, was, he was pretty clear. He's like, let them other people do it. Like, as the prop started to, to really, you know, become something uh, late, late, uh, right before the year 2000, you know, was down there and stuff. And he was like, yeah, we're not dealing with that. We'll, we'll, we'll put out the basic stuff, but we don't need that. You know? Okay. So I didn't really see it till I got to Vegas and it really started the one up 
and you know between Murray and Sherman and, and Ed at the at the Westgate and Rexy and those guys, I mean they do an unbelievable job, an unbelievable job. The first year I moved here, I wasn't working, and I went and I did the whole Super Bowl experience as a fan, um, and I picked up packets all over town, and I was like, this is crazy. Like there's just so much to pick from. So then when I got back in the room and started to kind of, you know, give and take and get involved in the process, the, the one thing it starts with is there's a framework from the year before. You take everything and plug and play what you've had the year before. So I was able to, to be in a room with a guy who's been also doing it for 30 plus years in, in, in Vegas and Reno and all this stuff. So he, he had it all already set. Like you just know the numbers, like, you know, first quarter is 10 is the total second quarter is probably 17. And you, you already know what the numbers are in your head because you've done it a million times or, or close. The fun stuff was for me was the prop, uh, the cross sports stuff. I loved it. And so you sit in a room like me and you are sitting in a room and we're like, all right, what do we do? Well, we look at the hockey games. Who's playing that day? Oh yeah. We got, we got penguins capitals. <laughs> Perfect. Well, we'll do Ovechkin shots on goal and number of field goals made in the game. How's that? Oh, that's not bad. What time's the, uh, the penguins game? Oh, it's early. Perfect. We'll combine that. What do you think? Three and a half, three. Uh, yeah. Three with juice. Perfect. Put it down, write it down. And you start going back and forth. And then, <laughs> Then you, you, you know, you start, you go home, you come up with it, you let it marinate for two days, you, you do your own research. Like for me, I couldn't wait to go back when we were going to actually start putting them in the computer and dazzle everybody in the room with a prop that they didn't think of, but they go, oh, that's pretty good. And as odds makers, and you know, just as guys, like yours is going to be better than mine or no, mine's going to be better than yours. And then like we would make bets, dude. <laughs> My prop is going to get more action than you. Well, what do you mean? Handle like, like volume or number of tickets? Well, let's do both. And we would make a number on a prop bet for each other just to give each other shit. Like mine's going to have your, and we would bet it, whether you bet actual money, whether you bet lunch, whatever it is, that's what we did. So, yeah, man, it was, it, it's, it's a lot of fun booking it. Now you, you put all your work out for everybody to, to hammer it. You get instantaneous feedback. I have been, I was at the M, uh, the first year we opened was 2009. So it was the Super Bowl after that, uh, you know, February, 2010. And that was the first year that we booked props. It was the first year we were open for the Super Bowl. We wrote, you know, we, we told everybody when we were taking everything, there was no, there was no limits. Like if you wanted a hundred thousand on a game and it was Tuesday and it was the NBA, like we figured out a way to take it. We may have to split the bet and give you 50 on minus eight and let us move it to eight and a half or nine. And if you want it, you can have it. If not, that's all we could take. We would try to take every bet we could. So we had the idea we're going to take five dimes, um, on props uh, at the open. <laughs> I think in three hours with three or four windows dedicated to it, 
I think the number was seven figures. I think we wrote a million dollars in bets in three hours. We had every sharp guy in the world, quote unquote, sharp, want to be sharp, square, rhombus. I, 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 that's my nickname for them because everyone wants to give everybody a shape. And I just say rhombus because it's fun. Um, so the rhombuses were there and they were just going through. We said, listen, you can come to the counter. We gave them two bets and moved to the back, two bets and moved to the back. And we were cranking out bets and tickets and moving numbers. It was so much fun. I mean, it was fantastic. I was like, oh, this is, this is great. So it's there. And um, yeah, I mean, like, let's, let's, let's put them up and bet like, and let's go. And, you know, so uh, the process is fun. Taking the bets is fun. And, and if you're allowed to, if you're at a book that these are a nuisance, and that you really don't want to take bets and you want to limit people to 200 or 300, they're terrible. It's just like droning. Like you can't wait for the game to get here because you're like, oh, we got to move this or we got to tell this guy he can't bet this. Somebody wants to come in and lay Chiefs minus 17 and a half um, and, and take plus $5. And you can only bet that for 200 because it's going to win a thousand dollars and you're worried about, Oh no, I don't want to get in trouble. And then these things are a pain in the ass. And then you're just like, Oh, but if you're allowed to take bets and, and, and see action, I used to see guys come in once a year just to bet the props. That's all they did. Whatever they were doing elsewhere, they could do, but they couldn't come in and fire on these props. Like they did. I had a guy that drove in from a, uh, with a Winnebago from, uh, Somewhere up in Utah, um, would drive down when they came out. He'd park out in the parking lot. He didn't even get a room in the hotel. He'd park his he'd park his camper outside. Come in, I don't know, drop six figures in bets. All right, see you later. You'd see him after the game, or he was always he's a veteran. He always came in Monday to cash. See you next year. Peace out. So it's awesome, man. It's 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 a fun. It can be a fun time. I, I loved it as far as like making the numbers, um, trying to top everybody and all that stuff. Like I, for me, it's all jump the shark. Like, I mean, I don't know how you can come up with more stuff. Like I went down there, you know, last night I picked up this packet. It's, let me see here. I think it's, it's uh, 36 pages front and back of props. It's insane. It's going to take me three days to go through this. You know, I, I, I won't know what even what I'm looking at for a day. Um, but it's fun. And, uh, that's what the game's all about. It's the last shot for books and for betters football. Take as many bets as you can is what I think. So I have to ask, you know, with, uh, I mean, obviously it sounds like you had some very big prop decisions, very big game decisions in general, uh, <laughs> while you were there at the M and I'm sure you had some while you were at golden nugget as well. What are some that stand out, whether they were wins for the book or losses for the book? I mean, what are some of the, the biggest ones? Kind of give us your story time from the sports book thing of, you know, like what, what are some of the ones that, you know, to this day just stand out in your mind, either big wins or big losses? So I, a lot of times I would be the opener in the book and I would be gone by halftime. I would open the book in the morning and then when the game finished, the halftime finished and the third quarter started, I'd be gone. So I was never around for the grading, but the last two years, um, you know, being in the risk room 
and you know, just being who I am and what I do, I was doing, I was doing the end game. So I had to be there the whole game. And so, you know, I didn't open the book. I came in later and I booked the entire end game for both Super Bowls the last two years. And it was a blast every play, you know, I'm uh, the numbers up and I did it, you know, the, the algorithm, the system, it spits out a number. Well, I just used it as a guide. I didn't use the number. I would make it, you know, I was trying to take, I was trying to take as much money as I could in the game and, you know, have the bosses go, what the hell are you doing? Oh, we're just taking bets. Like they gave me carte blanche. So that was fun. But by doing that, I got to be in the room as games, as props got graded. So it was so much fun. So like, I think it was last year. It might've been the one before Um, the coin flip. All this stuff is done, right? We do all the props. The coin flip is the most bet on prop and it's not close. Not, it's not close. Like I've seen it now for a decade. The super, the, the super bowl coin flip prop has the most volume on it. Unless you take, you know, a hundred thousand on props, which on a, no one does, uh, you take, you know, smaller limits. I've taken what, a $50,000 you, bet on a coin flip. Were you doing minus one Oh three on both sides? Minus. Oh, yes. five. Yeah. Minus Oh three. Yeah. And I've taken a $50,000 bet personally taking a $50,000 bet on the coin flip. So <laughs> you, you start to, you know, there's a guy that um, sits in the room. Once the game kicks, everybody grabs food because you've been sitting there just grinding and taking bets and moving numbers. And I, I have the index props. You have the player props. You have, you have this and you, you know, the, the head guy's got the game and who's got the first half, who's got all the quarters. Like everybody's watching something because with the apps now stuff flies through, you have multiple locations, you have stuff coming from here, from there, you know, like some operators are managing from different States. So everybody's watching something. Once the game kicks, I was by myself working. The in-game guy was – I was by myself taking the bets, moving the numbers, doing all that. Everyone else got their food. Then someone's assigned to grade everything. So, all right, what's a coin flip? Tails? All right, grade it. Tails. Oh, fuck. We just lost 38,000. What? We're stuck <laughs> 38 times already? Yeah, we needed heads. Oh, my God. Here we go. And then, all right, um, opening kickoffs to touchback. Grade it. Hey, we just picked up 3,600. You know, we had, we, we, we needed a touchback. Perfect. Okay. And it's, it's amazing because the guy that grades it, grades it. And then, you know, there's a function that if you're paying any attention in the room, you can see the, what that particular last grading thing was the result. And if you don't know, like somebody, we had a guy who was uh, in charge not of the risk room of the whole company who needed to know what every prop was the result. So he made the guy yell it out in the room. What was that worth? Well, all right. We, we just won 9,800. Good, good, good. Okay. But when it lost, you know, Mahomes' first pass is a completion or incompletion. Oh fuck. It was a completion. He grades it. And what was that? How was that? And, and the guy would go, uh, we, we just lost uh, 12, 12 dimes. Like, he didn't want to say it. When, it, when we won, he would scream it out. Yeah, we just we, we won 8,600. 8, oh, great. Well, and he would not say it the same way, 
So everyone in the room knew we lost. <laughs> and, they, and the guy in charge would go, well, that, that sucks. You know, he should have come. You know, whatever it was, he was so negative that it was, the, it was Mahomes' fault that we lost 12 times because he didn't complete – or he, he threw a completion instead of an incompletion. Like, there was so much money at stake with so many different plays. First place, runner pass, graded. So it was great. It, it was, it, it, it's just, it, there's, I don't know. I, I love that the instantaneous feedback and I'm sitting there and I'm taking, you know, last year's Super Bowl. I was trying to take five dimes a bet in game. I raised the limits, you know, and said, listen, you want to bet the in game? We'll take five. We'll take, I, I begged, I think the first year we took five, last year we took 10 because two years ago, that game was such a dud. It, we, we, there was no action. Nothing was happening. So the in-game wagering was, was a complete bust. It just wasn't any volume. Like the game sat. It finished 13-3. to three. So there was only one touchdown. That, that year, uh, th- there's another story it just reminded me of. The no score. There won't be a touchdown in the game. Um, you know, will the first score be a, a field goal, a touchdown, or this or that? Or, or will there be no touchdown? Like, that's a ridiculous number, right? I, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I know it was probably close to 100 to 1, maybe 80 to 1 or something. If there wasn't, a, like, the cheer in the risk room when the Patriots finally scored a touchdown, and I believe it was the third or fourth quarter when they did, um, that was a mini disaster averted. <laughs> like, whoo, we got a touchdown. We didn't care who it was. If it was the guy who was going to score the first touchdown, the biggest liability, it wasn't even close to what that would have been had no touchdown been scored. So, you know, you see the swings right there and you, you know, you know what you're rooting for. Now, even you use the end game to maybe offset something, you know. So if you're in a heavy position, like on this game, on the on the Buccaneers, for whatever reason, you you just you're heavy on the Bucks, you can use the end game price and get the Chiefs money while you're watching the game. So, yeah, man, it's fun. It's, it, it, it is really, really cool. It's one of the best things that um, I've done in the industry is to, is to book the Super Bowl, make the props, and then see the fun results as you go. And then, you know, by the end of the day, um, you know, you, get, you guys see the numbers. Everybody sees the numbers. People who listen to the show see the numbers. The books do okay. It's it's pretty rare that the books lose. I, I know the one that really hurt that the books lost was the Marshawn Lynch play. Um, that was the 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 outburst there because the books uh, we needed Seattle huge. I mean, it was a gigantic decision. We're talking multiple zeros on this thing, and he's going to go in. I mean, you know, Seattle's just going to give it to Lynch and they're going to score and the book's going to have a monster. Everybody that's on a bonus is, is already, you know, thinking about what island they're going to or, you know, what down payment they're going to – they may go get a car cash. I don't know what – I don't know what the guy's bonus structures were, but I know it was going to be huge. And <laughs> he throws that pick. And the expletives that come out of, uh, of the top guy's mouth the CEO, uh, he was, and he was hard. He was like a, you know, a really, I, I heard an expression about him. He could make a cup of coffee nervous. I mean, he was that kind of guy. Um, he motherfucked everybody. And then total silence in the room. 
And it's like what a locker room is like in professional sports when the team loses in the championship or in the semifinals. Not a word is said. Nobody knows. Nobody wants to even breathe. Don't even look at anybody. Just finish grading the game and go home. When it happened, I heard it. I was out front at the counter. And I said, (laughs) I said to the guy, you better call the cage and tell them we need a fill. We're going to be here cashing tickets all night long. Don't say a word about it to anybody because I know it's coming. And the main guy came out with his two, you know, cohorts. I used to call them, you know, his boys, his flunkies, whatever they were. And they stormed out. And the other guy that's a very good friend came out and I, and I said, how, how bad was it? And he goes, oh. he, goes <laughs> he goes, it was bad. Yeah. I said, I heard it. He goes, oh, he goes, I wanted to crawl under my desk. It was so bad. They're like, yeah, I, I, I'm glad I wasn't back there for that one. But yeah, that was one too. That was just a, a gigantic decision. So it, it's, it's been a blast. I got, I get stories that we could talk about for days. Man, I, those are great. So, you know, and, and I've always wondered about this too, is, you know, I mean, these two weeks, you know, like you said, we talked about this already. The number kind of sets itself and it sits there for a while. And then it sort of becomes about managing risk on the props and, you know, kind of figuring out what's going on with that whole picture during that two weeks, Dave, you know, because you can't bet at your own book, but you can go around town to other places and, and get some bets down and stuff like that. Did you do that on your own time and, and make some plays in some other places? Or were you just kind of like, you know what? I'm done with this game for now. I've worked on it for 10, 12 hours. I want to forget about it until tomorrow. How did you sort of treat it as, you know, separate from work as, as kind of a fan and then, you know, with your personal action? So, you know, you got your boys just like everyone does, the, you know, that's listening and you and I, like, you know, we would talk about it before we actually put the numbers up, then you would sit there and, and, you know, see people make plays or, you know, watch numbers move or, you know, you knew uh, if like, if Westgate moved it, uh, I wonder who's betting it over there. Oh, well, if William Hill moved it, I probably know who's betting it there. Um, You know, and I'm that person, like I'm, either I know you or I'm one layer away. So like I could reach out to anybody and go, Hey, do you like this? Or does, did you just have to move that? Cause it was a square and I was a guy from out of town, you know, and, and you trade information like that and then you make your own decision. And so me and a couple other guys used to go back and forth about like, you know, I, I liked one of the props that I bet pretty much every year is will a team punt or score first. Um, both teams have a line on it. Both teams. So I make my own number. I, I literally say, all right, well, you know, last year's matchup, you go and look and Kansas city's first drive resulted in points more than it didn't. So it's not 110. It's probably 130, 140. Well, it opened 110. Well, I'm going to play it. Um, so like this year, I haven't looked yet, but you know, Kansas city, I, I can't remember the first, the, the last time they scored on the first drive. I did that. will have to go back and look. So personally, you narrow it down because it's just too much. Like you can't go through and search everyone like Leonard Fournette's rushing yards. It doesn't matter. It's 49 and a half or 52 and a half. I haven't looked 
but that's what it's been all year. Why is it different? So I don't, I'm not even, I don't care. I mean, until somebody shoots me a text or says, Hey, did you see, uh, you know, Rampart's number on, on Fournette's rushing yards? It's, it's way low. And you go and look and it's 36 and a half. Okay. Well, so I relied on a lot of guys to give me a heads up on that stuff, but I know I had like the first year I came out and was the first year I worked in the book. I did what every, you know, tourist does. I bet too much. Even if they were $20 a bet, like I bet everything because I was like, I'm in a book. I'm working in a Super Bowl. This is great. Blah, 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 blah. Like I want to have all these bets. I did that before I moved here. I came out and I was that guy that went to the window with the sheets, had no plan. Had no idea what I was doing. I just know I had cash on me and I was going to come back to the Super Bowl. And I, I remember <laughs> I went up to the window at uh, Bally's and I said, hey, I'm, you know, I'm going to make some Super Bowl bets. And this guy looked at me and he sized me up in two seconds. He put his head down, his hand in his head or, you know, his head in his hands and was like, oh. all right. You know, I started betting. I, I made 25, 27 bets at $25 a piece going through the sheets. The transaction may have taken an hour. He wanted to kill me by the end. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't even realize what I was doing. And then, you know, after I sat down and I realized I probably could have done this better. And uh, I waited until, you know, it was late. It was, it was after midnight. It was probably one thirty in the morning. The guy was towards the end of his shift and he had to deal with me going through the thing. I went back up later and he saw me coming. He's like, it looked at me like, don't ask me anything. It's definitely don't make more bets. I'm like, Hey man, um, is there a better way to do this? If I come back up and do this again? And he was like, yeah. And he explained it to me. So I never made that mistake again. So until the first Super Bowl, I was working in the book and I'm like, but at least I knew how to make the bets, but I over bet it. And I think that's the thing that you can take away from you know, your question that probably happened eight minutes ago. I know I'm talking so much, but uh, you don't have to overbet this stuff. You can, it's because there's such a big menu and, and uh, it's easy to spread yourself too thin. And then, you know, you, you made a lot of good bets, but you made a lot of just action bets. And then the net result is either negative or very small winner. When I think you concentrate on a couple things and um you can really find, you know, some, some strong winners for sure. Something else I'm curious about for the sake of our listeners here, you know, I mean, obviously, again, as we've talked about, I mean, the Super Bowl is, is far and away the single biggest wagering event of the year. You know, obviously March Madness is a lot of different games that come together for a big tournament, but you know, I'm just looking here, Dave, and like next week, there's over a hundred college basketball games on Saturday, February 6th. Oh. So, you know, with that in mind, I mean, do you get into situations in the book where, you know, because the Super Bowl is coming up, because you've got six, seven, eight hundred props, whatever the case may be, do things kind of, for lack of a better term, slack off on the other sports? Is is there less focus paid to those? Maybe more opportunities for you know betters to take advantage. In a word, yes, uh, hell yes, it's exhausting. Um, the the Saturdays in January are harder than Super Bowl Sunday. There's so many college basketball games, and they're all day from beginning tonight, uh, beginning of the day, morning till night. It's just so hard, and <laughs> they 
they're better. Like the, I, I used to say it all the time. The guys on the other side of the counter are better at college basketball than the books. The, the guys that are really good at it, they're just better. So forget about like Super Bowl Saturday. Uh, or I mean the weekend of the Super Bowl. That is one of, I said it the first week that I worked in the book in Vegas. Saturday is probably the single hardest day of the year because of the college basketball. It is so tough. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity. I don't, I, I don't know where it is. I, 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 it, you'll see it when you're in the book. You know right away, you're like, God damn it. I wasn't even looking. He, he got me there. He, they double popped this. So you had to be assigned. Like, like managing the college basketball on that Saturday was what became normally a, say, you know, two or three person day, you know, where you had two guys splitting the board. I got the top half, you got the bottom half. And then the third guy would come in and he would relieve. Everybody would be there for a while. So now you did one guy was doing the first halves. One guy was doing the half times and one guy was doing the games or whatever. Like you, you split it up however you wanted, but you had enough eyes on it. Saturday the Super Bowl. Now you got the props going too, and you got people here, and you got you got the apps, you got all this stuff. College basketball Saturday that day, yeah, it it, it got um, it got a little bit lax, let's say, and there's definitely opportunities. So if you're looking now for next Saturday, you'll you'll be able to find it in spots. Just don't. Like I used to tell guys all the time, don't be a pig about it. Like if you normally bet a hundred dollars, don't bet a dime on it. Even if it's off, if it's slow to move, you can bet it for your unit. If it doesn't, you know, move, bet it again. Don't bet it 10 times though. Just bet it and take, take some extra because you're going to get flagged. If you're doing that, because only because guys make it personal, like it never bothered me. It's on me. If I don't move the number. You can hit it. You can hit it. You can hit it. And I go and look, I go, God damn it. How did we get, you know, 12 dimes high on this game? Oh, well, they bet it for three dimes, three times. Why don't we move the number? Well, who was watching it? And then, well, that's on us. You know, if they all came at the same time from, you know, Adam, Dave, and, you know, smoke, like my brother-in-law, like, Okay, we we we, we kind of screwed it around the limits and we weren't playing fair. But if you bet it three times and it's two minutes apart, whatever your setting is on your account, that's on me. I didn't move it. Well, that happens in college basketball Saturday for for a Super Bowl weekend. So just don't be a pig about it. You know, you 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 can go and uh, bet it, bet it for you know an extra pop, whatever your unit is, and then go find something else to bet. You leave it alone. Like take take the dub if if that's what you're gonna do. Just because I'm telling you, it, it's a long game. Like you don't want to get kicked out. You don't want to get limited because then it's hard to find another out and all that stuff. Um, and you know, we used to have guys like slide in, um, you know, baseball futures on on that Saturday in the middle of 18 half times of college basketball. Um, blah 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 blah. All right, we we're, we're going to send the Mets to win the World Series for, you know, two dimes when it's eighty to one. Oh, wait a second, what are you doing right now? So you go and look. You know, you, you don't even have to look. Why is somebody betting the Mets for two dimes at eighty to one right now? 
well, let me, let me take a check. Let, let's look across the different markets or, or, or at some other books. <laughs> the Mets are 60 to one or 50 to one in most places. We just haven't taken a bet on it. So we're at 80 to one and the guy's sliding it right in. Now, you know, sometimes you just take the bet because you go, oh, well, the Mets aren't going to win and he got a better, better price. That's fine. Or you have a cap where, listen, we take the baseball futures to win a hundred thousand on a number. So you got to call the book in the middle of all these college basketball half times and you got to go, who, you know, who's the guy? Well, it, it's, it's someone from the Will Pond family. Like it, it's, it, it's, it's Bobby Valentine. Uh, it doesn't matter who it is, but you call and ask that question because if it's one of the goofs that they're trying to steal, then you go, yeah, he can have it for a dime. And you just kind of let him know that like, listen, you could have bet this Friday. You could have bet this Monday because it hasn't moved in two months. It's not going to move. No one's going through the baseball futures now. Um, we're not. We're, we're trying to just stay alive during college basketball Saturday. Like you bet it right now. So you, you kind of just give it back a little bit and go, yeah, you can have it for a dime. And then you move it from 80 to one to the current market price. And then all of a sudden they're not interested. Okay. That's fine. Or you just give the guy the bet and say, yeah, he, he got us. And we go into the market price. If that's your tolerance, your risk level, but Saturdays in January are the hardest um, Saturdays all year, except for the Saturday, the Super Bowl. That is the single hardest day to manage um, with all the books, uh, I think, of any Saturday of all, all year. And I, I love getting this stuff from the other side of the counter. I think it's just so fascinating. I've always been very interested, you know, in kind of what happens, the thought process, the mindset. And of course, especially to get it from somebody who does have, you know, a little bit of a higher risk profile, higher risk tolerance than a lot of what we see out there. So definitely love the insights here from you, Dave. Last thing I want to ask you about, just in case we don't get you back on the show before this game actually kicks off, what do you like? Anything that you got your eye on here? Uh, it's so funny because uh, I saw some guys again last night, and they're like, hey, Davey, what do you got for me? I'm like, what do I got for you? What do you mean? Uh, you always have something. You know, you always do. And I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to, like, be total, you know, follow the crowd or, or square, but, like, the yes – on the three consecutive scores, it wins every year. They bet it the opposite way. They, they, they do all the time. Um, that you know, How could a team score three consecutive times? The total in this game is 56. 50, open 57. There's going to be touchdowns. There's going to be scores. So um, either the team – like I, I was telling the guy last night, I'm like, listen, it's usually – Late second quarter, they drive down, kick a field goal, um, and they've scored a touchdown before that. And then they get the ball to start the third quarter, come down, opening drive of the third quarter, um, another scripted drive, kick a field goal or score a touchdown, or, you know, they drive and punt, and then, you know, the other team goes three and out, and then they score. So it happens way more than you think. I like the three consecutive scores, yes. Um, the other one that I've seen for – it feels like a hundred years, but it's only 20 um, taking bets and watching people continue to, to lose and burn money and trying to explain it to someone. Because like when I worked in the book, I wasn't trying to take your money. Like I, I was rooting for you to win because most of the time when you won, 
um, especially, you know, people that either worked for tips or like they would leave tips. So the book was going to win no matter what, like I, because when you're managing the money, like the books, unless you really take a stand and like you, you, or you take bigger limits on certain things that are going to cost you, it's pretty hard to lose. So I was rooting for people to win all the time, not the assholes, the assholes. You didn't just like being in a press box. You don't openly root in a press box, but you secretly, you know, you're rooting for the asshole to, to strike out all the time and he gets up and you same at the book. You know, the guys that are, that is a jag off, you, you want him to, eh, if he loses, you're, you're not going to lose any sleep over it. Let's put it that way. So I watch people forever when it feels like come in and bet over one and a half yards for the longest touchdown or the shortest touchdown. They bet over one and a half. And there's a one-yard dive, quarterback sneak, now, you know, a, a, sh- a shovel pass. What, what, it happens every, every game. It feels like it. So bet under one and a half. There's going to be a one-yard. One now, with, I mean, it's a play. You throw a ball up in the end zone and get a pass interference call in the end zone. They put the ball on the one. And whether the quarterback runs it in, the fullback runs it in, the halfback runs it in, they throw it in, it's a one-yard play. It happens all the time. So those are the two that stick out to me that are like it's plug and play. You, you, you know, you can kind of, and the prices aren't bad. Like you're not going to be laying big juice on either one of those. Um, you may actually get plus juice on one or two or one or either. Um, but those are the two immediate ones. Um, side and total, man, this is a hard game. I like Kansas. City. I, I just think Kansas City is going to win. And <laughs> I've been saying since September, that Tampa's not going to win the Super Bowl, so I can't let go of that now. Like I've been on so many shows and got dating back then, I, I didn't think that Brady would be so successful. Um, no, I didn't think that he wouldn't be successful. I didn't think Tampa's defense was a championship defense. I did not see it um, as being that, and I have been, you know, not. I mean, not not totally convinced, but Tampa can win this game. Tampa 100% can win this game. So when I look at it and I go, all right, it's three. It's Chiefs minus three. The game's in their stadium. So, I mean, I think that matters a little bit. I've talked to guys that, oh, it doesn't matter at all. Well, I I disagree. I I think it does matter. They're, They're staying at home all week. It's not the Super Bowl week that it normally is. I mean, maybe they're going to put them in a hotel the second week, but maybe they won't. I don't know. Um, I, I don't think there's an edge either way. So would either team win by 10? Yes. Well, when I think that, I'm not looking to bet the side at all. And the total, this being this high, I, I can see it going over. No problem. And usually in a game this high, like you got to think unders the play. Like that's what I know I've taken the bets for years. When you put a total 55, the first bets you take are under. They, they always bet these under. It, it, and it's usually in their favor. I mean, they win more than they lose when they do it. So, uh, but could this game go over? Could both teams get in the 30s? Could, it, could we see a 35 31 game? Hell yeah, we could. So, Side and total, you know, people ask me, I got the kids asking me, uh, even the girls on the, on the team I coach, like coach Dave, what do you think is going to happen in the Super Bowl? 
I just hope it's a good game. That, that's all I want because, like, this is the first year in 20 years that I'm not going to be working Super Bowl Sunday, whether it's open to, to halftime or, you know, I get to come in at 10 o'clock and stay until 10 o'clock. First year for me, you know, in, in uh, the last one was, I think, 2002. Uh, yeah, that was not, um, you know, came as a fan and, and did the whole Super Bowl party experience and did it. It was great. So I'm looking forward to just watching the game, like and chilling out. I will not watch the pregame at all. Uh, by, by then, you're just like done. We used to put everything on mute in the office. No one wanted to hear what Howie or Terry or anyone said. No, no one cared. We were busy working, just taking bets, moving numbers. So I might actually watch the pregame uh, for, for a minute or two, uh, but I, I, I just hope the game's a good game. That's what I'm rooting for. That sounds good to me. And uh, this has been a great show here with Dave Sherapan at SportsBKConsig on Twitter. And you've got your own podcast, the Cash Considerations Podcast. I do. Gaming Today just got sold. Uh, so we're going to rebrand it. But it, uh, it's it, on Twitter, it's at GTCashConsider. Um, it was me and a couple odds makers um, and those guys, uh, Alan Berg and, and Mo Pearson, um, took a job with uh, Win Bet. They're managing risk now for Win Not Nevada, um, currently open in Colorado and New Jersey. And um, so they had to take a step back from doing the show because they're trying to build a room and, and, and do that again. Um, so it's just me on the show. You were on the show a couple of weeks ago. It was a great show. I try to bring in somebody from the industry that, um, you know, maybe it's not the same mainstream characters that you see on all the shows. Like, cause there's so many guys, I mean, like, like you, we, we, we talked about it off the air. Like you've been doing this grind for such a long time. And, and, you know, there, there's not like people don't know that. So, I love giving, you know, the platform to people like that, that I know, know, and you know, yourself, you know, but no one else knows. And there's a great Jim Moore quote that, that you can go find on YouTube. You think, you know, you don't know, and you never will. And I love delivering it in all these shows and things that I do. It's a gambling line that, that he applied to football, but it's true. So that's what we talk about on the podcast. I, I bring people on and, and then we talk about the current numbers. We talk about, you know, during football, we break down some games. We pick, you know, the best games and talk about them and line moves and things like that. But it's all done in the context of this, of, of sitting down and having a conversation and basically allowing everyone to eavesdrop. And we're not trying to sell you anything. We're, we're certainly we're the first one to tell you. Nobody knows shit, including us. Like, like you, you just, it's, it's sports betting. It's, um, I mean, if we learned anything from, you know, the GameStop debacle, whatever that was that went on uh, yesterday, markets can be manipulated. Uh, you don't know why a guy's betting this. You don't know why this is happening. You don't know. I mean, so um, the, the, the great equalizer is the game has to be played. And you can have the best bet in the world. You can have – I've seen great numbers lose all the time. And I've seen the worst bets in the world win. So that's the business. And, and um, it's, it's a fun 
it's a fun podcast that I'm going to continue to do uh, one way or the other. And anyone that follows, man, it, hopefully you get something out of it and you enjoy it because um, it's just, uh, it's the business, man. Like, like that's what, what, that's what draws us in. And hopefully that's what we give back, um, you know, when I do the show. No, absolutely. I mean, I, I think this show has been a big draw. I think everything that you do is a big draw. And, uh, you know, you've been all over the place. Lots of podcasts, been cited in articles. Uh, you know, for people that don't follow Dave on Twitter, you absolutely need to, at SportsBKConsig, and check out all the fine work that he's doing, that he's been a part of. Uh, you're a great resource, a very good friend, and a tremendous asset for everybody here in this business. And I'm sure that will only continue uh, as we get closer to the Super Bowl and beyond. So, Dave, appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much for joining me, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Can't wait, man. We'll talk this week, and, uh, you know, let's make those plans for March, brother. Absolutely, man. There you go. There's Dave Sherapan again, at SportsBKConsig on Twitter. The Cash Considerations podcast from Gaming Today is his, but you can find him uh, just appearing on a lot of different things here at this point in time. Coming up on Monday, we'll chat college basketball with Kyle Hunter, professional better and handicapper from huntersportspicks.com, and also give you some of our thoughts. I'm going to try and stagger my prop bets throughout the week, but we'll get Kyle's on Monday's show here after the weekend. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Have a happy, healthy, smart, safe weekend, and I will talk to you again on Monday.